Welcome to The Road to Avatar. I am Sean Alexander, and I will be your guide to the world of Pandora and beyond. With me today, I have a very special guest on the first episode of Sivako Road to Avatar, and that is Jordan King. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, thank you very much for having me on as your first guest. I am a film and TV critic slash journalist. I've written for Empire Magazine, Zavi, Movie Marker, quite a few different places over the last six or seven years. And uh, I am a very big Avatar fan, so probably a good a good person to start with. Well, that, that was my main hope. I wanted to really get someone on who is a big fan of the series and clearly has like the knowledge and a bit of uh, excitement going into this new one. Um, so I've actually got a few questions for you uh, just relating to Avatar in general. Yeah. And uh, the first one is, uh, when did you first see Avatar? The first time I saw Avatar as many 11-year-olds, well, I was 11 in 2009, was in the cinema, and it was my first big 3D film experience. Um, so yeah, I was I was 11 years old, just, just about heading off to high school, or just started high school, and um, didn't know a lot about the film other than it being tra- trailers for it being on all the other main films that came out that year. Um, and I went into the cinema, put my 3D glasses on over the top of my actual glasses and uh, spent the next like two and a half hours just kind of repeatedly doing very gormless slack jawed expressions at the screen. Um, and yeah, it was very much a love at first sight kind of deal. Yeah, I feel like that's the same for me, honestly. Like I remember going into that first screening of it and just being absolutely just blown away by every aspect in in the sense like and especially with the 3D that 3D element just added something entirely different which I hadn't seen before you know I feel like before that the fir- the biggest 3D thing I'd maybe experienced was Spy Kids 3D yeah and uh, yeah Spy Kids 3D slightly different when you've got the like the set of the red and blue cellophane glasses uh that you pop in out from the DVD case <laughs> to be able to watch it um but yeah, this was like a whole different realm of possibilities were opened up. And then um, it was kind of a shame that after that, a lot of films just kind of tried to crowbar 3D in as their gimmick, but they didn't embed it into the actual like film itself in the way that Avatar did. And so I think that's probably part of the reason why I've always maintained such a, a strong love for that film is because it brought in this new technology and it was driven by someone that actually knew how to use it um, and used it so well. Yeah. So um, I did want to ask as well, um, did, obviously you've got a big love for the film. Have you got a favorite moment from the film? I do. I, my favorite, my favorite moment, I only watched it again. Uh, I watched it last, last Friday um, in preparation for this. Um, I hadn't watched it for maybe a year or so. Um <laughs> And I think for me, it is, it's the moment that Jake first synchronizes with his, his avatar and, you know, he, he leaves the medical facility and they're all trying to get him to stop. And then it's just that moment that he bursts out into Pandora and, you know, he's experiencing freedom of movement and not just freedom of movement, but like this incredible 12 foot tall 
body that he can now run through and feel the grass between his toes. That whole sequence was just like, it was such a transportive thing for me to watch. And, you know, watching it years and as the years go by and getting older and seeing what that means in terms of its way of sort of showing somebody overcoming a disability and what the escapist experience of cinema can give people that are differently abled. Um, that's just always stuck in my head. It's one of, for me, it's like one of the great cinema moments. Definitely. And I feel like it's all to do with where those senses as well. And I feel like uh, our discussion we're going to come to in a little bit is a lot about the senses and what that, what Avatar and Pandora does to your senses. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I've got one final question for you, which is uh, what's your excitement level for the new film Avatar Way of Water? Well, I mean, I've been I've been excited for it ever since the first Avatar, ever since I knew that there were to be sequels. Um, I've been looking forward to it the way that I would look forward to new Star Wars films or to new Batman films or Spider-Man films. Like, it's a big, for me, even though we've only had one film so far, it's still a huge tentpole franchise. And so I've been eagerly looking forward to any kind of idea of what awaits is. I think everything kicked into overdrive for me when I I went to see Doctor Strange and I would be lying if I said that the main reason that I went to watch that film wasn't in fact because I really wanted to see the Avatar trailer in IMAX. Um, I came out of watching Doctor Strange not really thinking that much about Doctor Strange at all and thinking a lot about how incredible the way of water looks. and then when the trailer came out last week, I've probably watched it four, five, possibly even six times, just marvelling at how incredible the water looks and being able to see the veins throbbing in the skin and just how real everything seems. So at this point, it's it feels like it's going to be a long seven-month wait now for the film to come out. Definitely. Uh and I feel like with this podcast, this is going to hopefully help fill a little void for us. Um, have a chance to um, experience some things, maybe about Pandora we didn't already know, maybe hear from some people that we hadn't really heard of from before. And yeah, get a better understanding of different aspects of not only Pandora and Avatar, but James Cameron himself, because obviously like he he's the visionary behind this. This is, a you know, it's a single man's vision nearly. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, that's a perfect chance for us to get onto our topic for today, which is all about Pandora, the world of Avatar, which you would find in Walt Disney World Animal Kingdom. Yes. And uh, the reason we're actually exploring this one today is um, I've actually tied this in because the opening of Pandora, world of Avatar, was May 27th, 2017, five years ago. So I'm planning to release this podcast on that day. We're going to have a great time being able to like look back and think, man, five years of uh, that being open. It's a bit crazy. It's kind of come around very quick because it still feels very new. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so first of all, I want to ask you, what's what's your experience of uh, Pandora? Have you, you visited it yourself? Uh, yes. I. So when, when, the, when Pandora first opened in 2017... I mean, I'd already been kind of keeping track with blog posts and sort of construction pictures and things since 
way back when the project was first announced in like 2010 or 11 when um the initial idea was for an attraction tie-in to the avatar film and then suddenly that became an idea for a whole extension of animal kingdom um so i'd kind of already been quite eagle-eyed looking for any information i could find about what was coming and then the park opened just as me and my fiance we were in our first year of university at the time um and we'd kind of been umming and erring about saving for a disney world holiday we both really wanted to go um we saw that we saw that pandora was opening and then we spent our second and third year of university saving to be able to go to disney world to see pandora as well as um star wars galaxy's edge opened that same year that we went in 2019 um but for me that was kind of the big thing that i really wanted to go to go and experience was pandora because it looked so accurate to the feel and the sort of the vibe of the film um it looked like an opportunity to really sort of step out of one world and into another um and then i went there september 2019 our first first full day at disney world we went to animal kingdom we saw you know gorillas and elephants and did Carly River Rapids and Expedition Everest and all all of that good stuff and we had some food and then we headed over into Pandora and yeah it just it it felt like the sort of the earth shifting beneath your feet kind of as you step into this world where the first thing that you're greeted with are these huge floating mountains that at first you even though you know that it's all metal wires and you know very complicated rigging systems you look up at it and you just think oh my god this that's really floating um and yeah you you sort of head in and are surrounded by all this flora and fauna and people talking about the culture of the navi and people sharing greetings in the navi language and we just fell in love with it over the course of the two weeks that we were at disney world every single opportunity that we got we just kept finding ourselves going back again and again and again in the daytime you could just sort of relish in being able to see everything under the sun and then in the night times everything's all bioluminescent and the grounds all glowing and it truly does feel like you're you're on pandora so um a very long answer to a very simple question but uh yeah for me it begins very much from when it was first announced and having set foot on Pandora in a manner of speaking or the Valley of Moara um that was it for me and I think that actually going there then made me an even bigger fan of the film because the the relationship between the two was so symbiotic and one informs the other so heavily oh definitely and I feel like that's going to only occur more as we get, you know, for these next few months, there's going to be people being like, you know what? I fancy a trip to Disney because I really want to get go uh, go visit Pandora before the new film comes out. And... Well, yeah, definitely. And I yeah. mean, the thing as well is that, like, if you think about the, the sort of progression of Avatar since the film first came out in 2009, the park or the land of, of Pandora at Disney World, that's kind of been that's the newest big chapter of the Avatar story that we have had since then. You know, James Cameron worked for two years 
on the the sort of the story and the concept of the both the world itself and the flight of passage ride and the Navi rite of passage. Um like the whole world was sort of built as an extension of the world that we'd first met in the film. And I think now people are only gonna see more that everything in the Avatar universe is connecting in a very organic way. Um and obviously I mean Disney aren't exactly strapped for cash i imagine that as way of water comes ever closer and beyond that pandora is only going to be a more instrumental part of the sort of wider storytelling experience definitely and i feel like disney is the the ultimate sort of brand that are good with their synergy they know that everyone who sees the movie is probably gonna be like oh i kind of want a little bit extra so what's the bit of extra oh we can go visit the park um, one thing I did really think, and I, when I was reading up about this, is I realized that this is, you know, this was like a direct competition to what Universal were doing at the time in bringing Harry Potter to their parks. Um, at the time, there wasn't anything to this scale of immersion, and the Harry Potter parks brought, you know, their Forbidden Journey and bringing Hogsmeade and everything like that there, and suddenly people were like flocking to, I remember people were flocking to um, Universal and absolutely were adoring it. And I'm sure Disney were probably thinking, man, we should really get on top of that. And it seems weird that they went with Pandora to begin with. You know, they had a lot of their own properties, but this seemed to be the right choice in the end because it's something that people are familiar with but don't have so deep of a connection that they'll be angry if it's wrong. Um, and it's a great way to like expand and be a bit, you know, they can take a few... Uh, more riskier steps and and step in different directions which aren't directly out of the movie. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the thing as well is that obviously Universal Studios have got so many great attractions there and they're not really... They haven't tried to make every element of their parts bleed into each other in a seamless way in the sense that, you know, the Harry Potter, the Wizarding World aspect of Universal is its own distinctive thing that um, I've not been lucky enough to go and see it as of yet. But I mean, I've watched YouTube videos and I know people that have been there and you see how incredible it all looks. I think, I think the thing that Disney were very um, sort of savvy and imaginative with their approach when it came to Pandora is that they actually found something that, you wouldn't necessarily expect, but does fit very well with the land that it's situated in. So Animal Kingdom at Disney World is very much a place that is all about a celebration of nature and the connection between people and the natural world and the animal kingdom. It's sort of, it's about conservation and it's about sharing culture. And so when you think about what Jim Cameron's doing with Avatar as a film series and the idea of the human relationship with the Na'vi, especially embodied in the relationship between Jake and Neytiri, the whole world of Pandora, it, you know, you step into this different land within the animal kingdom, the sort of wider animal kingdom world, but you're still kind of following along that path of discovery of a different culture this might be a fictitious culture, but it's still one where there will be people that are there that are sort of under the guise of being sort of repatriated natives to the planet that 
are sharing with you Navi culture and about how the wildlife grows there, how the animals are, you know, how the ecosystem works. You're still kind of being told these stories that are all about connection and knowledge and education and um, being environmentally aware. And I think that that's something that Disney have really tapped into brilliantly is that you go to you go to Pandora, maybe not necessarily because you're an Avatar fan initially. A lot of people will just go, oh, there's a new park at Disney. Let's go to it and queue five hours for the rides. But then you come out of it being so interested in how they immerse you within another culture that you probably then go, oh, maybe we should watch Avatar now. Or if you already like Avatar, then you come out of it going, oh, wow, I feel like I understand and appreciate it on a whole new level now. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like um, the first attraction we're actually going to come to is the Navi River Journey. And that one, I think, perfectly encapsulates what you've just said about experiencing a different world, experiencing that culture. Um, so I want to ask you a quick question is, if if I was to ask you Navi River Journey, what is the first thing you think of when I I... I say about that ride to be for me the first thing that i actually i think of is the shaman which is right at the end of the ride um but i i I remember sort of being on the ride and you know you have this quite slow and very relaxing journey with all of these screens around you with different creatures and bioluminescent wildebeest and all of that kind of thing and then like you round a specific corner and you You've been hearing this sort of song gradually building as you as you pass through. And then you're greeted with this absolutely insanely realistic animatronic shaman who's who's the one that's been singing this song. Um and I remember like turning to my fiance when we first saw it and just being there like, wow, what how have they done this? Because it it looked so real. Um and yeah, I think I think probably for about half an hour after we got off of that ride, we spent that time just going, how did they actually do that? Yeah, and that animatronic actually cost ten million dollars by itself, reportedly. Which that you know, does not surprise me. <laughs> it it's the the movement from it is so fluid in terms of the arm movement and looking so natural that it's not a surprise that it costs so much. And it is honestly the big pull for that ride but I, I would argue that the rest of the ride is still incredible because it immerses you so well into it i i would compare it mostly to something like and it's a small world or a grand fiesta tour kind of boat journey it's not meant to be super like oh frills oh my god there's all sorts going on around me i'm, I'm under attack but it, it, it's to try and get you to see this new world and understand the sort of connection between the different parts of nature i love that there's these everything around you you know you could look in any direction and you will see some sort of creature or plant and it it has come to life whether it's because it's glowing moving breathing anything like that yeah and this this kind of feeds into what you were saying before about the kind of the sensory experience of avatar like you you just feel that you know you have the two principal attractions the flight of passage which we'll i imagine talk about very soon and the the navi river journey and with the navi river journey it really is all about kind of basking in this completely alien world and 
you know, listening out for the sound of a wood sprite or a viper wolf or, you know, seeing a, a fan lizard going along a small patch of tree or, you know, just all of these tiny little, what what may otherwise feel like insignificant little details, all of a sudden they're all part of this grander tapestry of Pandora. And... um I mean, the thing the thing as well is that with these kind of dark rides where you're on sort of a boat and it's quite slow, it's also it's also a way of kind of it unwinds a bit of that adrenaline that you usually have in a theme park where you're rushing between rides, you kind of the heart rate's up, the heat of the sun, all of that kind of thing. When you're actually sat with the ride, you kind of are given a little bit of a chance to kind of just drink in the experience more holistically and slow things down for a little while um which is something that i really appreciated especially on like a second or a third ride of it um once you've had the initial sort of trying to look out for every little thing that you can possibly see being able to just sort of sit and just close you can even ride it and just close your eyes and just tune into the little tiny insect sounds or the sound of wind passing or water rushing um it is a very very sensorily pleasing almost at times asmr like experience definitely and i feel like that's uh something that they're actually missing from galaxy's edge which has you know it's got its main two attractions which is the uh, millennium falcon smugglers run and it also has the rise of resistance and both of those rides are very like um they're quite extreme they're they're very like in your face you are on an adventure there is a lot going on you better hold on because it's going to be a bumpy ride and i feel like star wars is almost screaming out for a bit of peace and quiet because galaxy's edge is very overwhelming and i don't ever feel that way when i'm ever in pandora yeah i'd I'd agree with that i mean i think with with galaxy's edge i mean i i very like I loved going to Galaxy's Edge and went there a lot of times while we were at Disney. It just opened, and you know there are things that you can do to get that Pandora type experience. Like we got up one morning at quarter to six, were there for rope drop at Hollywood Studios, and we went and got some breakfast and we sat and watched the sunrise over Batu, um, and we were talking to cast members and you know you got that kind of immersion in the world through those interactions and, you know, you kind of tailor that experience for yourself there. But I think what Pandora does so well is that you are led into specific experiences that have been designed exactly for that purpose of letting you just relax and just understand what it is to be moving within this different environment. Um, yeah, I hadn't really thought too much about, even though they are the two arguably biggest attractions of Disney at the moment are Pandora and Galaxy's Edge. I hadn't really considered so much the the contrasting approaches to both of the lands. Um, but yeah, Pandora definitely has the upper hand when it comes to just sort of easing you into that surrounding. Definitely. And I feel like that's a good chance for us now to like move on to the the main attraction of uh, Pandora World of Avatar, which is Flight of Passage. And uh, as I did for Navi River Journey, I'd like to ask you, what's the first thing you think of when you think of Flight of Passage? It's See, it's weird because, I mean, 
everything about Flight of Passage is incredible from the queue, like from the very beginning of queuing for it. I think it's got the longest queue line system in all of the Disney parks. But, you know, as as you queue and you move past laboratories and floating avatar Navi bodies and, you know, various scientific apparatus and all of that kind of thing. I think the thing that, like, I wasn't, I hadn't heard about or anything because I knew that I was going to have this kind of, like, VR experience with the ride. But what I didn't, what I wasn't ready for was when we actually took off and then all of a sudden this kind of, like, it's almost like a Tron light cycle that you're sat on for the ride. I wasn't prepared for the fact that the Banshee or the Ikram that you're riding, like it started breathing and I felt like I felt it sort of expand against my thighs. And like all of a sudden my, my adult brain switched off entirely and my child brain just went, Oh my God, this thing's alive. Um, and, and I think like my fiance and I both had that exact same moment of going, that's absolutely incredible. Like the attention to detail to have even like thought to add that as a feature of the ride. Um, it's for some reason, whenever we talk about it, before we talk about all of the amazing things that you see and experience on the ride, the first thing we always mention is like, oh, you're riding on this band sheet, but you actually feel it breathing as you're flying. Um, so yeah, that's the thing that immediately like jumps out at me whenever I think of that ride. So, I've just never experienced something similar on any other theme park ride. Yeah. And I think, you know, I actually made a note about that breathing because that is possibly my favorite aspect as well, because it is that immersion where it is a level which you, you know, you don't expect from a, a, a ride, but they added that because they know if, if you have that sensory moment, you are going to remember that and you, it, you that will draw you back in to co- want to come back again and again. And you pair yeah, that definitely. with the fact, you know, you got the smells, which are incredible. I, I'm obsessed with getting candles, which smell like it. Um, <laughs> it like yeah, just we, takes me back. <laughs> we've fallen down that rabbit hole ourselves. <laughs> because any anything that can kind of, yeah, like you say, take you back to to that experience. And I mean, the thing as well is that it's the kind of, it doesn't do it justice to watch a video on YouTube of, you know, an on-flight ride sort of POV video of 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 the flight of passage or you know to be told about it or to see pictures from it like it's such a holistic sensory experience when you're actually there you know the the sort of diving off of cliff edges the feeling of sea spray across your face like there are so many specific sensations that I don't know. I find myself sometimes I'll I'll be at work in the middle of an eight hour long shift, kind of trying to galvanize the energy to get through the rest of the day. And like, if I close my eyes, I can almost carry myself back off to Pandora, back to that specific ride. And like, that's become one of my sort of mental, happy, safe spaces to go to for escape, because it is such an evocative thing that once you've felt it, a, you want to go back again as soon as you possibly can. But B, it sticks with you. Like, even now, I remember all of it so vividly. Um, it feels like such a treat to have had that because then when I go back and watch Avatar and, you know, you you see that world living and breathing, you actually 
despite the knowledge of it being fiction and all of the artifice of it, you watch it and you kind of, you do feel like I've been there and I want to go back there. And that's part of the hype for Avatar The Way of Water is like, the ride has quite a lot of water heavy features. And so it feels like it's, it's, it's another sensory experience that's building towards what's yet to come for the series. Yeah, definitely. And that was what I was going to mention is that when I was watching the trailer for The Way of Water, I was thinking, wait a second, I recognize some of this. And it was it was immediately I was like, wait, no, I've seen this. This is in Flight of Passage, like these sort of water-based uh, civilizations and some of these creatures, which I haven't seen before. And now suddenly I'm like, I've got something that maybe some of the other Avatar fans haven't seen before. I have a bit of like almost insider knowledge from the fact that I've been able to experience this. And it was kind of fun to have that. In the theatre, yeah, watching the trailer, be like, I kind of know what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, but it's and and as well as that though, it's it's also that that sense again of like everything that has been done with Avatar to this point, like it's put, it's all done with purpose. It's all nothing. Nothing is like an inconsequential detail or feature. Like they could have very easily done a a kind of a cash grab theme park version of avatar that had you know just the basic aesthetic of that world and it could have just been replicating things from the films you know you could have had some kind of simulator of fighting in a mech suit or whatever you wanted but actually there was this very like visibly conscious effort to continue expanding that world and it is that cool thing of now when you watch the trailer for way of water you kind of go Oh, okay. I actually I learned a little bit about that culture, about those water-based tribes from this one, you know, five minute, however many minute ride at Disney World that one time. And, you know, if you don't if you haven't been on that ride, you don't lose anything from the sort of wonder of the trailer. But if you have been on it, like you were saying, you kind of go, Oh wow, I feel like I know this place more than some other people do. I feel like I've got a personal relationship to it. Definitely. And I think the fact that they got Weta Digital, like they made the film footage, it shows that they really meant it when they were like, this this is, we're not half in this. We are putting everything to this to make sure that you feel immersed and that this is as good as it can be. And it really is. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's only, it's only fitting that it would be such immersive sort of pioneering theme park ride tech because it's coming off of the back of a pioneering groundbreaking film. Like the whole, the whole idea sort of driving Avatar beneath, you know, in, in, in story, there's the environmental messages and the, the cultural messages, but like in terms of its actual creation and what it represents, it is all about pushing for new frontiers in the world of technology and immersive experiences. Um, and I, I've never, I've never been to a to a theme park or sat on a ride or experienced the world quite in the same way that I did when I did Flight of Passage because it did, to all intents and purposes, for the duration of that ride, everything was real. You couldn't have convinced me that I wasn't really there, even though my brain was fully aware that I that I couldn't possibly be there because everything was considered. 
down to the direction that the wind comes from or the way that your weight shifts within the seat. Like everything is so meticulously planned. Um, And yeah, like you say, Weta Digital working on it, like you're going to the very, very top of the food chain in terms of who's supplying your, your tech for this ride. Definitely. And I feel like as well, as you mentioned previously, it starts from as, as soon as you get into that queue. It's the whole world feels realized that when you're moving from these mountains into the more laboratory um, environments and you're seeing not only just the giant avatar in the, in the tank that's floating, which I can't believe is a real like real thing and not just a video image. That That's crazy to me. But also like these little creatures, like there's things that are in like little tanks and stuff like that that... If you were just sitting on your phone in the queue, you wouldn't notice. But if you spend the time and take a look around, you're you're noticing all these other little details and everything feels really fleshed out. And I'm sure yeah. someone had a great time, you know, writing all these extra little details in. And I, I can only imagine how much fun it would have been. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and again, it's all part of this kind of the sense that everything has its place and its purpose. And also, like, say what you will about the the price of going to Disney World and, you know, all of the expense of, of a trip like that. But, you know, even down to the queuing process, like, they find a way to make queuing fun. Like, as a British person, the idea of queues and fun being in the same sentence is just almost completely unthinkable. And yet, when you're there in Pandora and you're walking through a lab on your way to do this ride like I wasn't on my phone I wasn't you know counting down the seconds like I felt like the storytelling had already begun I mean it begun the moment I stepped into the Valley of Moara but it continued right through even the things that could otherwise just be mundane yeah and we got the obviously before we actually enter onto our uh, get a chance to ride our banshee. We also get to meet a few a uh, few little characters along the way, which is quite fun. I know not everyone's quite a fan of the uh, the um, performances in the uh, the little um, video sections we get, um, but I quite enjoy them, especially uh, Doctor Stevens with his uh, little us as he goes along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. But again, like I they're not they're not uh they're not gonna win oscars for the performances in the avatar flight of passage videos but again it's kind of it's it's got that kind of cheesy sci-fi charm to it and again it's just it's just another extra thing that's added on top that you know it refamiliarizes yourself with the avatar project and it reestablishes what the aims of the mission of uniting humans and avatar with their avatars is like Again, it's that thing of like it could it could just be a throwaway thing that you don't even need to include at all and just get people onto the ride as soon as you possibly can and then blow their mind with that. But instead it's incremental layering of the story and building up that anticipation for the experience that you're about to have. Yeah, and we you know, when we meet Dr. Ogden the moments before we're about to ride our banshee. That's where we got the podcast name from. That's uh, Sivako, Rise to the Challenge. So, and I felt <laughs> yeah. that's quite fitting in terms of you know this is uh, the, this is a challenge in itself to uh, get us prepared. We're we're ready for the challenge of preparing ourselves for a new world in Avatar. We're seeing a whole new world in the next few months, hopefully. And 
I can't wait to see how things progress from there. No, me neither. And as we've spoken about, we've got a whole lot other than just the rides. There is a lot of other aspects to this land. And I think one thing that you mentioned a bit earlier was the fact that at night, it's an entirely different experience. Yeah, I mean, the the kind of, I mean the first the first time we went into pandora it was the middle of the afternoon and we we tried to tell ourselves that we'd resist going until the evening but we couldn't help it so we went in sooner but you know you you go in in the daytime and like i say the sun's shining and you get these very clear views of the floating mountains and you have these drumming parades going on and you know, the opportunity to kind of feel the hustle and bustle of life on the planet. And then you, you, the sun starts to set and you go back. And then all of a sudden the floors lit up with bioluminescence and the flowers all take on a completely different form and shape. And it just, it becomes like a sort of visual fantasia where everywhere you turn is something that you feel like you've never seen before. Um, And the fact that like, that's all that's all in the production design like that's all in the that's all in the sort of geogra- geographical planning of the land like it does function and double as two entirely different experiences depending on whether you're there in the day or the night it's just mind blowing definitely i i absolutely adore it and i think especially at nighttime it is so fun to just have a little wander around Especially if you've, you know, you just come off, uh, say, Navarre River Journey, the park's kind of closing, it's very quiet, and you can just wander around, you can hear the soundscape, it's just gorgeous, like, I, that's what I really love about it, and it, and it hits those senses for you, and you can just walk around and be like, this is a different planet, I don't feel like I'm in a Disney park anymore, I feel like I'm walking on this alien planet, and I'm happy being here. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and... And again, like I think that that also feeds back into the how brilliantly implemented Pandora is into the kind of wider Animal Kingdom experience. Because when you go into Animal Kingdom as a as a land for the first time, you could be forgiven for expecting it to feel a bit like you're going to a zoo that just happens to have roller coasters, but you're not. The entire sort of the entire ecosystem and environment of Africa and the savannah, like everything has been recreated so lovingly. And the uh, the intention is always at all times to make you feel like you aren't where you actually are. Um, and with Pandora more so than anywhere else, they take you to an entirely different world and they manage to maintain that suspension of disbelief whether that's through the smells of the flowers or whether that's through random plants on the wall that if you stand too close to them, they'll spray in your face. Like there's all of these different little touches that are added on that just cumulatively give you that off planet feeling. Um, And yeah, I mean, even just sort of talking to you about it now and thinking about it, it is kind of just awe-inspiring to think of how every single little detail has been so considered so that you feel like you have been to Pandora. 
Yeah, and I, I also think they done quite a good job of that in terms of like the food and drink on offer there, which uh, I found quite a surprise. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to experience any of those bits there. Yes, my possibly my favourite drink of all time is from Pandora from the is it the Pong Pongu 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 Pongu. I was going to say Pongo Pongo, but yeah, Pongu Pongu. The the Night Blossom is oh. the on, honestly we came we'd been on we've been on flight of passage uh we'd watched there's like they have um there's people that are in uh the like the mech suits the carrier suits from the avatar film that do this kind of like open space show that's kind of very impromptu and we kind of watched that for a little while and then we wandered over to this drink stand and we heard, we saw Night Blossom like being advertised, and it said it had boba balls, and we hadn't tried boba balls yet. And so we got the Night Blossom, and just like one sip of that, and it was like it was the most refreshing drink I've ever had in my life. Like it, it, it felt like it had been made specifically for the sunshine. Like I took one sip of that, and I just thought. I'm not going to be able to drink anything else again that's going to be remotely as nice as that was at that exact moment. Um, the little the little passion fruit boba balls, like the way that they pop in your mouth and the combination of the apple and the pear limeade. So, I mean, limeade is a big part of nearly every drink that you get at Disney World. But specifically in the Night Blossom, it works so, so well. And to like to grab to grab yourself a Night Blossom and then head over to the Satuli Canteen and be in kind of like a sort of militaristic style mess room and then get one of the protein bowls with this like so tender beef that like melts in your mouth. And it's like the most hearty kind of, it's got like vegetable coleslaw and it's just, ah. I'm getting like my mouth is salivating at the thought of it. Yeah, you you've real you really set me off over here. Um, <laughs> I'm having like flashbacks to uh, the, the I actually forgotten about the protein bowl stuff. That that was what I had that last time and it was incredible. Like I didn't realize how good it was going to be, and yeah, that coleslaw surprised me. Yeah, because I'm I'm usually the guy that will be like they'll give you coleslaw with meals and I'll have like a couple of polite forkfuls of it because it's there and you don't want to look like you just left it but then like with this it was like anything that was in that bowl was going to be in my mouth by the time I was finished um and then also as well as as well as the protein bowls which are just amazing and also like they they feel suitably exotic without feeling like unnecessarily different there's a problem with galaxy's edge that I found which was that they did certain drinks, like they did like an orangeade kind of like Fanta-ish drink, but it had like spice in it. Oh yeah, and, yeah, I tried that one, and it it was a little too much. And that made me go, ah, oh, that was quite a nice drink until that really weird aftertaste kicked in. But like with with Pandora, they seem to have struck a really good balance between giving you flavors that you aren't necessarily a hundred percent familiar with, but not in a way that like confuses your taste buds and makes you go, Oh, I didn't like that. Um, they also do like cheeseburger bow buns, which are amazing. Um, and shouldn't, shouldn't work. The idea of a cheeseburger type thing in a steamed bun 
sounds like it could be a recipe for disaster, but very, very tasty. If anyone that listens to this goes to Pandora, then just like clear all of your food plans for the rest of the day and just like get yourself a protein bowl, get a couple of cheeseburger steamed buns, a night blossom. They do a couple of alcoholic iterations as well, if that's your kind of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, again, it's back to the senses. Sense of taste, absolutely second to none at Disney World. So there is one that I well, I wasn't so big on it, but my wife absolutely loves. And it's <laughs> they do uh, little wraps, which are oh, pineapple God, no. and cheese. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Did you have one of them? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, so caveat to everything that I've just said about clearing your plans for food and just digging into the amazing food from Satuli Canteen. Uh, don't get the little pineapple cheese wrap things, which sound like, oh, that could be interesting. It it feels a, a little bit like you've just thrown up, but you've decided to like, fashion a stick out of it and try and eat it that would probably be as as close to approximating my experience with that as 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 you can get wow <laughs> um i don't think my wife's gonna be too happy to hear that because she she absolutely adores that one um i'm on the other hand i'm like i i'm give or take on it i think it's um like the wrong side of a hawaiian pizza yeah, I think like if, like if, it, was, like if it was a pineapple base, but cheesy top to the pineapple. Yeah, I yeah, I think I think that is possibly a slightly more generous and maybe more fair way of describing it. Yeah, messed up pineapple pizza. And then outside of that, there are actually a couple uh, tasty little snacks that they offer in the shop. Um, one of them, which again, my wife is just obsessed with, and we bought back about three bags worth, was this trail mix. And it's just a trail mix. It's just a regular trail mix, but it's got Avatar on it, so it's tastier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and like also, a- as well, when you come back from like the holiday of a lifetime, anything, anything that like even in the smallest of ways makes you feel like you're back there, you will take. All of a sudden, a trail mix becomes the nicest food that you've ever had literally that that i think that must be it i'm i'm sure if i i don't know if I, i'm not a trail mix person i can't eat nuts so i'll never know the the, the absolute joy of eating that trail mix um, <laughs> but i'm sure it's incredible um and the main other two things about that shop is that there are um well there was two experiences from what i've heard lately there's only one now um, yeah so the main one that still is there is that you can adopt a banshee which is a lovely little experience um, yeah, get to pick one out off the wall, and they can sit on your shoulder, and uh, you get a little trigger, and you can make them talk and uh, interact with other people, which is quite fun. I, quite, I I never bought one myself, but they're quite fun to see people playing with. Yeah, I I didn't buy one just because Disney World prices are not particularly generous. They are not um, kind at all. Yes, yes, no, not at all. But I did I did like seeing like kids going around with their ones and they were clearly very happy with their choices. And uh, the other one, which I've reportedly heard, this is, um, I, I, I've only read about this today through Jenny Nicholson on Twitter, was that oh, the but... Make Your Own Avatar has now been discontinued. And it turns yeah. out Make Your Own Avatar doesn't even exist. It's only that there was about eight different types of Avatar and they just picked the one that looks closest to you. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that's that's a whole can of worms because... 
obviously the the immersion of the entire world is incredible and then you get this one like very very recent reminder that of the corporation <laughs> that's you know behind the scenes because they decided to get rid of the make your own avatar and they've now literally just got a shelf of very similar looking avatars that you can you can buy and you just have to find one that you can convince yourself looks a little bit like you um, yeah it's a little but... sad if i'm honest because i i uh, you know what if they actually did a thing where it was like make your own avatar and it kind of looked like you and those things can happen you know i've seen people do 3d printed little models of a real person yeah. and they look exactly like them so i yeah. don't see why they couldn't do it obviously time and money um but clearly they've just said you know what we're just spending too much time on <laughs> scanning people to pretend that we've scanned them let's just put but... them on a shelf and if people want to buy them they'll buy them but, you know, on the plus side, you might not be able to buy a toy figurine that makes you look like an avatar, but you can actually go and have your face painted so that you are an avatar or you are an RV. So that's quite that's quite a cool like thing that you're able to do. There's like a little uh, sort of hut kind of area that you go to where you can have your face painted um, and it, it, adds a, it adds a little unique touch to the trip. Yeah, definitely. And I and they also kind of do that with um, the Wilderness Explorers as well. They got like uh, the up themed with Russell and he's, there's a whole bunch of Wilderness Explorers around the park and you can visit them. And they've got ones on Pandora as well. And those ones on Pandora are Pandora themed, you know, it's like, yeah, we, it's a random my... piece of wildlife. Uh, we're going to tell you about it. And it's great. That's kind of fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, me and me and Lucy, we were like, we had like an afternoon where we thought we were just going to have a more relaxed afternoon. And so we got our Wilderness Explorer books and we headed out into Animal Kingdom and we went around all of the various sort of stands and stalls there. And then we went into Pandora. And yeah, it's it's really cool that, you know, even as far as coming up with Wilderness Explorer challenges that are Avatar themed and Pandora themed. Um, yeah, it's it's a nice thing to do. And also, especially if you're coming towards the end of your holiday and money's running a little bit scarce and you're looking for things to to do to unwind because you're exhausted like being able to just sort of stroll around and again it's that thing where one of the nicest things about going to pandora at disney world is that it feels nice to just absorb it you don't have to be queuing you know time and time again for flight of passage as much as you will want to you can just sort of casually go around at your own pace talk to people play the drums badly because there is a drum kit in the middle of the park like you can do all of these things that just again they they flesh out the experience and they give you little memories that you can take away with you yeah and i feel like as well overall the park itself you know animal kingdom has really benefited from having pandora there Animal Kingdom, to me, always felt like the fourth park, as in, you know, it was always the one to go to last, unfortunately, because everything, you know, the, all the other parts offered a little bit more. Yeah. It has really moved up the rankings now, I would argue. Oh, yeah. because I mean, the thing for me is before going to, because I mean, I knew that I wanted to go to Pandora. That was very much like, had it not been for the fact that Galaxy's Edge had just opened, Pandora was the number one thing. And I mean, it was still tied first with Galaxy's Edge because I'm a lifelong Star Wars fan. But I kind of, I went to Animal Kingdom on that first day, kind of going, 
this should be good. Like, this will be nice. And, you know, there's loads of wildlife here. And I'm looking forward to just being around the Expedition Everest, that kind of thing. But then, like, by the time we got to the end of the two weeks and we'd had a chance to go to all of the parks several times, like Lucy from day one, she was like, Animal Kingdom was already her favourite park by lunchtime. We went to Pandora and she was like, I would live here if I could. And then by the time we got to the end of the two weeks, despite the fact that Hollywood Studios like represented pretty much the nexus of all of my Disney-affiliated loves, so whether that's Star Wars or the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror or the Rock and Roller Coaster or Toy Story Land, by the end of those two weeks, if I'd have been told, like, okay, you've got one more day, you can go back somewhere, I'd have gone back to Animal Kingdom. And I think that Pandora has really added, like, a completely new dimension to that park. And it's really rejuvenated both the public perception of it as well as the Imagineers' approach to it because it's shown that there are really creative ways to expand the exploration of nature and the natural world at Disney. Yeah, it doesn't just have to be, oh, here we've got a few new animals. It can just be about bringing out these new cultures and understanding them better. And I feel like, you know, with the new films, we've obviously got like Way of Water coming out this year, but we've got another three potential sequels after that. I can only yeah, see uh, Pandora expanding, really. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. Do you reckon Do you reckon we'll see any more Pandora expansion in the future? I mean, they I, they have the land for it. They have the they have the ability to do more. Um, I think what we'll probably see in the most immediate short term will be kind of potentially reskins of attractions. So they might work on an update to the flight of passage that incorporates elements from the way of water. I feel like that would be quite easy for them to do. They might change the Navi River journey to be an underwater boat ride, like there are things that they could do to kind of offer the experiences they are now and the specific atmosphere or tone of experience they're going for. So the relaxed sort of dark ride, the high octane thrill ride. But then I think, I think a lot of things will hinge on the reaction to way of water. And, uh, you know, maybe I am just being naively optimistic, but I already feel like, I mean, it's not like Avatar wasn't the biggest film of all time and remains the biggest film of all time. But like, I already feel like just with this trailer dropping, Avatar's back in the conversation again. People that are maybe beginning to experience fatigue with comic book films, like people are ready for a massive blockbuster and James Cameron knows how to make a massive blockbuster. If it lands the way that I'm hoping it will... I think that that puts another decade into the into the sort of expansion of Avatar outside of the outside of the actual films themselves. I mean, they're already making a video game that's coming out in what 2023, 24. Like there's already things underway to expand and more and more people are looking for real-world experiences that immerse them in the worlds of their favorite films and TV shows. You know, you see things like secret cinema and things like that. Um, I mean, Avatar kind of has like the perfect blueprint for doing that and just growing and growing. Yeah, that I think you've summed it up perfectly in terms of, um, especially um, with Avatar being attached to Doctor Strange. And uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a 
I don't hate Doctor Strange, the movie, or Multiverse of Madness. I think it's really good, and I I really, really like Sam Raimi. I think he's a great director. But I can see the fatigue sitting in, in terms of, are we just going to be seeing... Uh, references to old movies, the older hit superhero movies. And if we just keep referencing the older movies, at some point we're going to run out of things to reference without it being a reference to another reference. And Yeah, exactly. And, and again, feel- this, is, this is where Avatar comes in because it's not built on references. Like, as much as people sort of try and say it's Fern Gully or it's Pocahontas or it's Dances with Wolves, like, the the idea of a of a sort of colonial narrative and like a an outsider in a foreign place narrative like they are very old and established you know folktale narratives or like mythic narratives and so even just from the trailer for way of water you're already seeing that like we're about to see literally an entire new world within pandora like we've seen up on the floating mountain like floating mountaintops we're about to dive right deep below the surface. And I mean, Animal Kingdom doesn't have any major aquariums or anything of that sort. I mean, it does have smaller aquarium features, but, you know, there's there's the ability there, if they want to go there, that they could take us to an entirely different realm within Pandora. Yeah, and it kind of makes me think, uh, if only Cali River Rapids was kind of a, a bit closer in within the park, that that could really do a re-theme, and uh, an Avatar re-theme would not have been a, a bad shout, honestly. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, the thing is as well, there's nothing to say that, similarly to how they do Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party in Magic Kingdom, where rides are themed differently for the night for a specific one-off event, like they could do some rethemed versions of the established rides that are in Animal Kingdom. They could do something with the Kali River Rapids specifically for Avatar. Um, and the thing as well is, like, regardless of Disney as a, as a corporation or what you think of the films, whatever, like, the Imagineers that work there, like, they have constantly innovated and revolutionized theme parks for well over half a century now. There's no reason to think that they wouldn't... And, I mean, they already have relished the opportunity with Pandora so far, but you can only imagine that they would love to be able to do more with that world because there's so much to it. I, I genuinely believe that we might see a, like, in-park in, in character of an avatar that is walking around within the next couple of years. I would not be surprised. I think I think that's probably the biggest thing that people would love to see there, other than seeing an actual banshee like flying off of a mountaintop. Which, to be fair, with the Spider-Man animatronics that they've been able to get going with um, the um, the Avengers Campus, like it might not be a million miles away to have an actual flying banshee, but I think like having actual Navi presence would definitely be like a, a huge next step. And again, like further that immersion. So I think that might be about everything that we've covered for today and and Pandora, the world of Avatar. So I don't know if there's anything else that you want to cover, Jordan? Um, I I feel like we've been quite comprehensive. Like I didn't I didn't come in with any like specific notes other than just gush about all of the things that I love about Pandora World of Avatar, like I 
yeah, I think I think we've pretty much pretty much covered it all. I think we've done an all right job. Beautiful. Uh, there is one person I will give a shout out to, and it's uh, I've Joe Rohde, uh, absolute legend of uh, Imagineering. He yeah. was the creative director behind uh, Pandora, and uh, I absolutely adore him in everything he stands for. Honestly, yes. One thing that I would actually say uh, on on Joe Rohde and also Avatar adjacent is if you want to know more about the creation of Pandora and the like design challenges and innovations, then the Imagineering story on Disney Plus is such a good documentary series, and the episode on what they've done with with Pandora is really, really essential viewing. And you will, even if you don't care at all about Disney parks or theme parks, you will be completely amazed by everything that, that they've done and that they show you in that documentary. Yeah, I can't lie that the, the main reason I got Disney Plus to begin with was because of the Imagineering story. That, that was, the <laughs> oh, yeah. that was the one that pulled me in because I was thinking like there's stuff that I don't know about these rides. I always wonder how did this get made, and that that was the answer to it. Oh yeah, it's 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 brilliant, and um, and yeah, Joe Rohde is such a character and a real like driving force behind the whole of what he he is the the Walt Disney of the Disney World theme park, especially Animal Kingdom. Yeah, and I I'm always worried about his ear. If I'm honest, he's got that very low hanging earlobe, and I'm it's. I'm worried yeah. one day I'm going to see it and it's not not attached anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> it, yeah, it's um, it's a look. It, it's 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 a choice that he has made, but <laughs> you know, Van Gogh had his thing with his ear and was a genius artist. Jerry's got a thing with his ear and is also a genius artist. Maybe that's the way forward. Maybe we're just going to have to like really get a bit more creative with our ear choices. Yeah, mod- modify your ears, folks, and then you will also become a maverick artist. Uh, so I think it's time for us to wrap up. So, Jordan, where can people find you? The easiest place to find me is probably over on Twitter at JordanMBKing. Um, from there, you'll find links to my portfolio of everything that I've written, any podcast that I've been on. Um, and yeah, I mean, Twitter is kind of the central hub of all of the various different things that I've been doing. So, and also look out for me occasionally in Empire Magazine because I've, I've been there a few times recently. I, I just want to gush a little bit in the fact that you and your work on Empire is always incredible. Um, this Thank is, you. This is my chance to just say that because I, I'm always so impressed with your work ethic in terms of Empire and and all your other writing. It is always incredible and such a high standard. And uh, I, I can only send the highest praise to you. Thank you. That's that's incredibly kind of you. I'm not very good at receiving praise, but um, no, that really means a lot. Thank you, man. And thank you for coming on for the first episode of the road to avatar i hope it's been a fun journey so far for you it has and uh if you guys want to keep up with us the best place will be on twitter as the same with jordan and for us we are at avatar pod so uh have a look out there for us we'll have plenty more episodes in the future i'm hoping to get people on from all sorts of backgrounds um and the main aim really is that come december uh i'll be at the avatar 2 premiere so um, I'm putting a call out. This is going to be my thing for every single guest. 
Jordan, if you get a chance to go to Avatar 2 premiere, please take me with you if you I are, don't get there are, myself. You are plus, plus one already reserved. If I can get a ticket to that premiere, I will bring you with me. Beautiful. Because I'm thinking if we've got like 30 guests, someone's bound to get me in at this point. There's, yeah, where there's a where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly, and I'm sure James yeah, would absolutely adore me. <laughs> <laughs>